I'm Russ Boris, and this is A Track. Vernon Reed is a Grammy Award-winning musician and songwriter and a founding member of the band Living Color. He was also named by Rolling Stone as one of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. But for A-Track, Vernon joined us back in April as DJ, and the timing and the times led him to focus his songs on recovery and struggle. Happy to welcome Vernon Reed to the show. Hello. Hey. Hi, everyone. Vernon, thank you so much for being here. You know, A-Track is where we have an opportunity to talk to a guest about eight particular songs that have some kind of meaning. Um, your particular theme is recovery and struggle. Do you want to tell me why you settled on that for these songs? Yeah, I uh, was thinking about just the current time period that we're in where we've been, you know, in, under various lockdowns and uh, we've been living under, you know, this pandemic. It's like a hundred year event and um, and we're all trying to make our way through it. And now we're starting to see the possibility of what's coming next. I mean, we're going to be in this for a while longer. And because of the way this event has played out in our lives, um, there are a lot of other issues that are, that are coming to the forefront. And that's part of um, why I picked these particular songs. I mean, some of them speak directly to it and other things are um, a little tangential. Why don't we start at the beginning? Uh, you have Fantastic Negrito in a song called Chocolate Samurai. What's with meaning on this one for you? Well, it's so funny because um, the very first line of this song, it's almost like a callback to Gnarls Barkley on a level because the there, there was a Norris Barkley song uh, Crazy and uh, the first line is uh, I remember when I lost my mind and uh, the first line of this song is have you lost your mind yet so I just thought that was uh, we're all under a lot of pressure and we're all going through it so I thought this was pretty apropos have you lost your mind yet to get free It's also very pot. It's very his his the vibe on this is really more about recovery. It's like it's very uh, uplifting and positive. A guy who had you know kind of lost his way for a while and then returned a few years back, winning the NPR Tiny Desk, was kind of incredible. I think he's a, a really unique artist. He's quirky in the best sense of that word, and he's really drawing from, he's really unashamed to draw from great blues traditions and update them and bring them into the forefront. Have you lost your mind yet? It's funny because he's he's in this, alter, like he's like an all contemporary alternative blues artist, but I don't want to limit him that way, but he's, he's that's, uh, he brings a lot of that flavor. When it bombed up, are you ready? You listen to his guitar playing, you know, as, as a player yourself, you know, what is it that you pick up on when you hear other players? Well, you know, everybody has to inhabit the guitar space in their own way. That's the thing that I, that I like about different players and the way they approach it. You know, and he's a great guitarist. He also plays piano. 
And I think the way he uses the layers of guitar in this particular piece, uh, you know, I really appreciate. I mean, he's just got a great feel. You know, I, the word authentic is one of those kind of, uh, I, I have back and forth feelings about the word authentic, but I, I feel it's just very genuine in what he does. You know, for you, do you remember what made you, or who made you first pick up the guitar? What drew you to it? Oh yeah, it was Carlos Santana. I was hearing his uh, version, his uh, cover of Black Magic Woman. I didn't know it was a cover at the time, but hearing Black Magic Woman. The way he approached the instrument, it just sounded very vocal to me. It's like, it felt, um, I mean, this was actually kind of a couple years before I actually picked up the guitar, but when I heard it, I it just, I was attracted to it immediately. It's funny because uh, it turns out that we both like Dionne Warwick. I used to love Dionne Warwick, you know, in the Burt Bacharach days. And it turns out that Dionne Warwick was an influence on the kind of vocal sound to his guitar playing. One, two, three, four. All right, now I think we move towards the struggle portion, at least in some form. It is a, it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hard to ignore. Yeah. As we struggle every day. struggle every day. What about this song from Femi Kuti for you? Well, because um, Femi Kuti is really taking up the Fela mantle in a very, um, he's found his own way into it. And I just think it's, uh, it's great that he's taking it on and he's continuing this Juju tradition. You know, he's continuing on Fela's tradition. A-Track with Vernon Reed. Until it's done, Vernon Reed, our guest today on A Track. Um, just the the swampiness of that gets me. I, I just love the production on that record. It's just so cool. Yeah, man, it's just such a laid back, it's such a lovely laid back feeling. And, um, and D'Angelo is the, the master of that kind of behind from the very first his very first record. He has that just behind the beat kind of feeling. And uh, I love the song because. It really speaks to conflict, you know, and really asking what are we, you know, what are we fighting for? What exactly are we fighting for? Do we even know what we're fighting for? And one of the lyrics he has is, um, the question isn't do we have the resources to rebuild? The question is do we have the will? Question A, do we have the will? 
resources to rebel. Do we have to play? a very central question in this time period. Isn't that, though, the mark of, of some you know, just great art, how it makes you think and it makes you feel and it makes you react in ways that, you know, all right, I could listen to that and just like the way it sounds, but then it's bringing something else to the table. It's making me think, too. Yeah, you can hear this and not even, you can get just snatches of the lyric, you know, but it's very interesting to listen and read the lyrics. And it's weird when you read lyrics, they suddenly jump out at you. But um, he's saying very serious things, but he's saying them in a way that's like, um, well, I'm going to tell you what it is, but you know, you could take it, you groove to it, you could take it or leave it. When he says, till it's done, I mean, in a way, that's kind of what do we do with our time? What are we going to do with our time till our time runs out? And it's a really urgent question, but he's not asking it in a hyped-up, urgent way. And that's what's so interesting about this song, is that it's very laid-back and very groovy. But if you choose to engage with it, it definitely um, has you reflect. Well, you know, I don't think that's necessarily unlike what you have done in your career, where, all right, you might have somebody connect to what you're doing simply because they like the way you play guitar, but you're trying to say something with the music, too. I mean, all the Living Color records have always, you know, addressed issues have always, you know, from the beginning, you know, had something to say. Well, it's always just whatever moved, you know, the songs were always whatever moved at the time. It wasn't so much, okay, we have another issue to address. I mean, you know, the Living Color Records, you know, they run the gamut from Cult of Personality to This Is The Life to Broken Hearts to Love Rears This Ugly Head. It really, all those records are almost like, um, they were almost like journals of our lives at the time. You know, what was affecting us, like a song like uh, Open Letter to a Landlord, the impetus to write it was really thinking about my local park in Brooklyn at that time. And I didn't write a song about the park. I wrote about, you know, this other thing. But the impulse just led me into it. And that's the thing about um, quote unquote message music. I think it has to move you. It has to be something that at least moves you to write a song about it. That's why I think What's Going On is such a powerful record by Marvin Gaye because he wrote that record because of his brother. You know, his brother came back from Vietnam and was struggling, and that was the impulse to write those tunes. And that's, I think, because it's coming from somewhere, I think that's why it's uh, it was very affecting. And how incredible, though, is you take that as an example and, you know, you've got 50 years on that record and yet it still resonates, you know, it still connects, it still, you know, evokes certain emotions in people who hear it for the first time. Yeah, because the questions, the existential questions, we haven't answered those questions. I mean, you know, we haven't figured out to be or not to be. We really haven't. Like, to be or not to be, what was that, like 16-something or other? You know what I mean? And we still you know, haven't come to grips with that question. That's why we still know it. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in its pace from day to day to last little bit of recorded time. We're still grappling with those things. I think songs throughout time, you know, even if they're based in a particular fashion of the time they're in, if they say something true to the human condition, we will still be grappling with them. 
we will always grapple with them. Verinda's next choice is extremely powerful and deals with, you know, a, a serious subject to say the least. And from an artist, XXX Tentacion, can you tell us a little bit about this song called School Shootings? You know, I I really learned about XXS Tentacion, strangely enough, from a podcast, Disgraceland, and uh, Jake Brennan's podcast, and it's kind of like a behind the music, and it's it's a true crime podcast centered around music. And I decided I wanted to check out XXX Tentacion after hearing about, unfortunately, hearing about um, his tragic passing. He had this record, Bad Vibes Forever which is just, it's, I mean, he was such a talented musician, such a talented person, but he was also so broken. And those both things were, were very present. And when I heard the song School Shooter from the very beginning of the music, I was drawn completely into it. We're struggling. Why do, you know, why do people take their anger out take their rage out on other human beings. I think he's grappling with it. It's a beautiful, terrible song in that he doesn't pull any punches. And uh, I won't say the, the, the words you got to bleep, but he asks a question, who's protecting us? And you're thinking about a kid in school, like it's not about gun control per se. It's about like He's asking about, we're doing nothing about mental health. We're doing nothing. You know, we say these things. Every time these horrible things happen, we're doing nothing about male rage. We're not, we're not even in the conversation about that. We're not, we're not talking about it. And then it's like, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers. When I hear thoughts and prayers, I know whoever's saying it is, has not been bending their knee. That much we know. It's just something to move the conversation on. And um, I think XXX really, really took it on in a powerful way in this tune. Up next is Soundgarden on A-Track. I woke up with my feet nailed down and my head moving the speed of sound Had a dream I was caught in a maze and I couldn't find my way back out Soundgarden and Halfway There. Vernon, I thought that was an interesting pick is you, you take you don't take something from Super Unknown or Bad Motor Finger, you go to to King Animal, um, you know, what's the connection there for you? Well, for me, you know, I, I actually saw them uh, play the Hammerstein Ballroom on this tour, and it was the last time I was going to see Chris Cornell. It was an incredible concert. And, and also, King Animal was a real return. Of Soundgarden had really returned back to form. And I feel like King Animal is as strong as any of uh, their classic records. My favorite song of theirs is Day I Tried to Live from Super Unknown. But weirdly enough, I think Halfway There and The Day I Tried to Live are almost relatable in the sense that the song really questions our privilege, our status, our thinginess. You know, who dies with the most toys wins. And he, and he really asked me, like, how, you know, like, well, how far is halfway there to this thing, this illusory thing that we call the American dream? And he says, you know, if you've got some basic things, you're really okay. And if somebody 
um, I heard somebody saying that, you know, the average American lives better than the crown princes of Europe from the Middle Ages. We don't even think about it, but, you know, we, we live better than uh, royalty, and we take it all for granted. And we find a way to complain about everything while we take it for granted. And we become so hung up on status and uh, who's driving what, who's got the blingiest this, who's got the grooviest that, who's got red soles on their shoes, who's got the most exclusive Adidas, whatever. That hunger for status and that self-proclamation that we're number one and all that, you know, that's part of um, what Chris is questioning. He's really questioning, what is all of that? And it's at every class level. The intellectuals, the homeboys, the people who are all playing this game. And he's questioning it in a way that I really appreciate. It's got to give you perspective, though, because you see a guy like Chris Cornell, who's a gigantic rock star, but was not without his own problems and his own concerns. You know, he was going to, you know, write these songs and make them relatable in a way that, you know, you could just connect to them, you know, maybe beyond just. Well, I like the way Kim plays guitar. I just, you know, I love the groove on, you know, for this band. You know, the lyrics will shine through. You know, for me in the beginning, I heard Soundgarden. It was the loudest show I was ever in, and I was outside. You know, I think about the first time I saw the band. I was like, it's unbelievable. It just sears like through your body. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then the words start to seep in, and that's where I think the real uh, resonance is. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I mean. That band, you know, of of the '90s bands, they're my favorite. I mean, they just record louder than love, super unknown, you know, dead on the upside. Like their records are just. There's always at least one or two records on the, you know, cuts. Rusty Cage, you know, the Fourth of July. I mean, this these tunes are just relentless. And the and the thing, the I think the sad aspect of Soundgarden is that Chris Cornell, these tunes, rethinking them. Jesus Christ pose. These tunes were, you know, a cry for help. It's a cliche, but I've, you know, thinking about these tunes, it's it's really uh, he really struggled. He he really really struggled severely, and uh, it's a shame that it ended the way it did. I mean, um, but he struggled in a way that David Foster Wallace struggled. You know, he struggled in a way. Kurt Cobain in his own way struggled, you know. Um, I, I think he struggled in a way that Whitney Houston struggled, you know. Because the problem with this thing about the, the grand lotto ticket, you know, like it's funny because everybody wants to become a star or something. And, you know, if you're not happy in your life where you are, it's not going to fix anything, you know. And that's whether it's wealth and prestige, money and power, you know, becoming a virtuoso, whatever that is that you think is going to fix everything, it doesn't work that way. Danny Gatton was one of the greatest guitar players that ever picked up a guitar. Danny Gatton was the greatest. Why wasn't being one of the greatest guitar players in the world enough for Danny Gatton? 
we all talk about mental illness and the stigma around it has gone unmoved. It's gone essentially unchecked. And, um, you know, I just want to say anyone that's struggling out there, you know, talk to somebody, find a friend, you know, because, um, you know, you, you, you mean more than you think you do. You know, there's something to be said about that hole that you just can't fill. You know, you're, you're always trying to figure out what it is, is, is going to replace something that you seemingly can't replace. I, I you know, it's, it just seems to be endless at times with certain people. Well, then the nation runs on it. The nation runs on it. And in fact, we're getting conflicting messages at all times. We're being told to be ourselves, right? That's, that's the message in so many movies. But, you know, we're also being told that who you are isn't good enough. Both those things are being hammered at us at every level. And wherever you are, whether you're going for your PhD or what, whatever you're doing, you're being told you're not enough, but you're also being told, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. It doesn't work. It's like people are told, you know, you need to get, we need to get more sleep, but we have a relentless pressure. The society produces a relentless pressure. We can't have it both ways. And people are being ground up. Literally, people are being ground up. You know, the person that the, the person that dropped out of college, the person that's going for their masters, are a lot of times in the same boat. They're in the same boat. And a lot of times, you know, the people that are doing well, it, weirdly enough, they feel they don't have a right to be depressed. If you got everything going on and you got money in the bank and you're still depressed, part of your problem is you don't feel you have the right to have that feeling. And this is part of the toxicity that we all are battling with, you know, right, left, center, any color you like. And I think uh, that, you know, Chris, Chris brought it home in that tune to me. Well, if we go from one artist that left too soon to another in MF Doom. Doom from the realm of Alkaloom, smelly gel fumes, separating cell womb to Melly Mel, boom, revelations in Braille, respiration in hell, view nations fail and shaking of a snake tail, make do, blazing swords, trays the haze, praise the Lord, saving grace, lace your broad, she say she bored, a crazy straw, ink and stale, dry paraffin, candy corn, crap rappers pale by comparison. A bad Samaritan average and above average men. Talk to me about the song Cells. MF Doom was one of the most unique original voices in hip hop. And I'm a comic book fan. Right? I'm a Marvel guy, you know. And I'm a D. Okay, you know, of course, Batman and Superman and the Green Arrow. Of course, the Lanterns, all right. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a make mine Marvel. And what he did, making up his own Doctor Doom mask. Metal face finster, playing with the dirty money, sinister. Don't know what he's saying, but the words be funny. And appropriating, inhabiting the role of the vaudeville villain. He dips into conspiracy theory. I wanted to touch a little bit on that, and that's something he speaks into a bit in this track. Every human being is responsible for his action, or that being is still a beast, not yet human. <clears throat> And was so creative. I mean, there was nobody like him in hip-hop and really in pop music. And I applaud Marvel for not shutting him down. They kind of like somebody, somebody at Marvel Entertainment said, yo, man, leave him alone. <laughs> because, you know, he's like breaking all kind of copyright. He's using the old cartoons in his videos. And somebody 
and Marvel Entertainment was like, nah, man, nah, man, he's cool. Trust Stan, he's cool. So somehow or other, you know, that was allowed to go on, and and much to our joy, he was just a fantastic uh, character. And one of the things in this tune is that he dips into in some of the production because he also was a rapper. He also produced his music. He was like a Jay Dilla level producer. One of the hardest things about this pandemic was losing MF Doom. That just whew, you know, but he made these amazing records, and uh, and he's one of the goats. Doom is transmitting a message to you, Super Fools. This is a track from WFUV. epic piece right there from a Montclair, New Jersey band called Thank You Scientist. That is Everyday Ghosts. Vernon, there's about, um, I don't know, six or seven hundred different things going on in that song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're an incredible band. I mean, they bring together so many different styles and different traditions. Everything from jazz fusion to prog rock. But this song in particular, I actually, I mean, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the virtuosity. But the lyrics of the song really uh, moved me. And I think it's this is kind of more on the recovery side of the equation. And it's kind of like um, an anthem for people struggling, working as wage slaves and ordinary jobs. kind of like buck up you know don't let them change you and I think it's a very powerful message you know and it's wrapped up in like all of this incredible musicianship but um you know there's a line sometimes I feel so ordinary and to hear someone obviously incredibly accomplished and the idea that that even people that are in that space can feel like you know can struggle as well so so it's kind of both. It is both recovery and struggle. Yeah. Sometimes I struggle with who I am in that in that line as well. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of that's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> but it's real. I, I I love this band and it features uh, one of my favorite young guitarists who's on the scene coming up, Tom Monda. He's, Tom Monda is a monster. He's ridiculous. You know. Yeah. I like this band a lot. Can create. In my soul, there's no shame in the choices I've made. 
Well, Vernon, thank you for this. I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. This has been a, a really good, you know, run through both the recovery and struggle. And, and, and I think it's been, uh, you know, beneficial in a lot of ways, you know, hearing this music, hearing that connection, you know, having these really thoughtful picks. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to present some of my favorite music. You know, I, I like a lot of different things, but these artists in this list are in this particular moment that we're in. Um, I think they all have something very poignant to say, you know, those that who are current and those who have left us. Well, you finish up here with what was the, the Grammy award winning song of the year. I can't breathe from her. I mean, where do you begin? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of um, music that's been reacting to, you know, we've been reacting since Eric Garner reacting to George Floyd. You know, that the phrase, I can't breathe, has become part of our terrible lexicon of uh, violence and uh, police misconduct. We don't have the same right. What is a gun to a man that surrenders? What's it gonna take for someone to defend her? If we all agree that we're equal as people, then why can't we see what is thing about her is that she cuts through all that in this particular song. She's a terrific songwriter, singer, and she's a dope guitar player. I mean, she was on Saturday Night Live, and I didn't expect her to come out with the licks. I was like, yo, she's kind of killing it. So I have a huge amount of respect for her. And this tune, I mean, she cuts no corners. That kind of uncomfortable conversation is too hard for your trust fund pockets to swallow. To swallow the strange fruit hanging from my family tree because of your audacity to say all men are created equal in the eyes of God, but disparage a man based on the color of his skin. Do not say you do not see color. When you see us, see us. We can't breathe. You know, and that's what we, you know, we need people to come straight out and say what it is. Her and I Can't Breathe, closing out 8-track with big thanks again to Vernon Reed. Next week, our season one finale has two guest DJs, Corin Tucker and Carrie Brownstein of Slater Kinney. 8-Track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop with theme music by Caroline Rose. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York.